Well, good morning, family. Y'all doing all right? Welcome to BT Church at our 11 a.m. worship service. I want to rush to welcome all of you all in the room and welcome all of you all online. If this is your first time or second time joining us here at BT Church, we want you to know that you're very important to us. You're our VIP. And if you would text the word BTVIP to the number 97,000, that gives somebody from our staff an opportunity to connect with you uh, this week in a deeper way. Uh, let's, BT family, let's give our VIPs some love, please. We are excited to see you here. Y'all, I'm just warning you, y'all came on the best Sunday. Let me tell you why it's the best Sunday. Because we're starting a new series today. <laughs> we're starting a new series today called Saints Together. But before we dive in our series, and you can, you can beat me to our text, go to Acts chapter 17. That's where we'll work from this morning. Acts chapter 17. I'll tell you the verse in a little bit. Uh, before we launch into our text, I want to let you all know about what God is doing in the life of our church. You guys know that we like to practice celebration here at BT Church. And so we, we tell you uh, numbers and, and, and metrics and things like that. And why do we do it? We do it because we want to celebrate what God is doing. Amen. Amen. This is the same thing the old church used to do, but they, they didn't say it over the mic. They had it on the board. Y'all remember the little wooden board in the church off to the left? And they said, you know, this week... 200 people was here. We brought it. Do y'all remember that? Okay, if you knew the church, don't worry about it. We do it now just with me and, 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 pa and Pastor Chris and, or Pastor Louis or one of the other pastors. So this is what we celebrate. We celebrate that this year, as far as I know, 173 people have chosen to go public with their faith in the waters of baptism. We celebrate that. We celebrate that here at BT Church. Amen. We better celebrate baptism. We call it Baptist Temple. Amen. <laughs> so we better celebrate it. Uh, also, if you would like to be baptized, guess what? We can do it right now, today, in this service. All you have to do is head out here, go to the info center, let somebody know uh, what you want to do. We have towels. We have a minister. We just needed you, okay? And, and here, here, here's another number that we want to celebrate what God is doing because we know that it takes the power of God to move on the hearts of people. Uh, up till now, as far as I know, because things happen in our services, uh, 260 people have crossed from death to life by placing their trust in Jesus Christ. We celebrate that. What does this mean? This means that God is moving in his church. This means that God is moving and allowing people to live transformed lives, and we are so excited about that. Now, we're kicking off this series called Saints Together. Our text will be in Acts chapter 16. I will be, I'll be reading from uh, 16 to verses 25 or so. Um, let me tell you why. There's more to the story, but we're going to part two this thing, okay? So I'm going to kick it off this week, 
And then we're going to part to it next week. So if you want to get all the good stuff, you got to come to church two weeks in a row, okay? I'm just telling you how it go down, okay? I'm just being honest. So this is going to be part one. It might leave you hanging a little bit. Um, but you come back next, next week and you'll get the rest. Amen? Amen? Amen. So saints together in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus gives... Some of y'all are like, I thought we were talking about Acts. Stay with me. Uh, Jesus gives some practical instructions on how to deal with disappointments and disagreements and church discipline uh, amongst his people. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus makes a powerful statement dealing with when church people, his followers are at odds and disagreeing or disappointing one another and, and and church discipline needs to be uh, applied. Jesus says this. For where two or three are gathered together, I am among them. That's what Jesus said. Jesus gives this great word of encouragement to let his people know that there is a path and a process in place for when Christians are at odds with one another, for when we disappoint each other for when there is conflict and sadly sometimes church discipline must be applied. Jesus says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Now, um, we're not talking about church discipline today or in this series. We're not talking about uh, when we're at odds with each other. We're not talking about that. The reason why I bring up Matthew 18 and more specifically, this encouraging word from Jesus for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. The reason why I bring that up is because I want to ask this question. If Jesus promises to be with his people when they are at odds, when they disagree, when they disappoint one another, and when there is church discipline involved, if Jesus promises to be with his people then, how much more can we expect the presence of Jesus when all of the saints are together on one accord? If Jesus says, I'm going to be there when y'all fighting and y'all getting on each other's nerves and y'all going at it on social media, and God forbid, sometimes it, it gets too hot and church discipline must be applied. People won't repent. People won't apologize. People won't come back together. Jesus says, hey, I'm with you then. If Jesus is with us in those moments, how much more can we expect the presence of Jesus when saints come together? And so this morning, we kick off a series entitled Saints Together, where we will look at some stories in the scriptures where, where the people of God are together and they face various trials, temptations, various issues. And, and we look at how God steps in and intervenes. And so uh, meet me in Acts 16, verse 16. We are going to preach from the subject, unity in adversity. Let's look at how we're going to get there. Let's look at the text. It says this, once as we were on our way to prayer... <clears throat> A slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. 
she made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Bringing them before the chief magistrates, they said, These men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. We're going to preach from unity in adversity. Let's pray, ask God to bless our time. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this powerful service that we have had up to this point, worshiping you, God, and praising your name. It's my prayer for the next few minutes by the power of the Holy Spirit as we, as we worship you through the hearing and preaching of your word. Lord, let your word be clearly communicated. Let Jesus Christ be highly exalted. Let your people be beautifully blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Unity in adversity. Saints together when... Saints come together, we can find unity in adversity. Uh, Paul and Silas and company, they end up in Philippi where we find ourselves in the text this morning. They end up in Philippi because they were not able to do some things that they wanted to do. Um, they wanted to preach the word in certain cities, in certain areas, and they were shut down. They were either rejected or God told them, no, I don't want you, excuse me, to preach here. And so they were not able to reach the people that they wanted to reach. They, they were not able to go where they wanted to go. God was directing their steps. God was closing doors and directing their steps. That'll preach for somebody. And eventually, the Apostle Paul, he gets a vision, a man in Macedonia in that vision says, hey, come help us. And then Paul and the crew, they head to Macedonia and begin to preach the gospel. And they begin to meet some uh, people of peace and they begin to, to see some breakthrough and doors open. And, and they end up in Philippi, and they are going to pray, as the text says, and then they meet this slave girl that has an evil spirit. And, and, and what I want us to understand is this. Why are you saying all of this, Pastor Nick? The reason why I'm saying all of this is because as saints, we've got to understand, and we must understand, that as saints, when we do the right thing for God, 
sometimes we will end up with negative consequences. Amen. Here at BT Church, you won't hear us preach, follow Jesus, and every day is going to be a sunny day. You're not going to hear us say that. You're not going to hear us say, hey, follow Jesus because you will never have bad days when you follow Jesus. That's, that's not what you hear preached from this pulpit. What we preach at BT is the truth of God's word. And the truth of God's word is this. When you follow Jesus, you will have bad days. You just will never have a bad day without Jesus. Amen. And so Paul and the crew, they are going to pray. And this slave girl that has an evil spirit, she is oppressed socially. She is oppressed spiritually. She is oppressed physically. This girl follows them around and she is saying some of the right stuff but from an evil place. And what I love is this. Paul gets so annoyed. Paul gets, gets, gets so charged up that he deals with the evil with spiritual force. This is good. Because so many times when we get annoyed, even saints, we want to give people a piece of our minds. Amen. But hear me. And I've said it a time or two before, but some new people are here. Don't give people a piece of your mind if you're not going to give them a piece of your spirit. And what this means is this. If you're going to give them a piece of your spirit and you are a saint, that means the Holy Spirit will guide and direct what you say out of your mouth. Amen. And so Paul, he deals with the spirit, the evil spirit, because Paul didn't just give her a piece of his mind. He gave a piece of God's spirit, the power of God. He says, in the name of Jesus, come out of this young girl, and she is delivered and set free. And now there's an issue. Because here's what we got to understand. When we move with spiritual force in the power of God, it will have social impact. That's what we see in the text. But too many times, saints together, we put the cart before the horse. We reverse things. We want to move with social force and worry about the spirit later. But that's not what Paul does in the text. I can't stay here long. But, but what he does is he moves with spiritual force, and we see it have social impact. What are you trying to say, Pastor Nick? I'm trying to say this, that if we want our communities transformed, we need to allow the Spirit of God to transform us and then go out into our communities and worry about that later. Amen. I got a whole sermon to mess with you. Let me move on. And so they, they have negative consequences. They are thrown in jail. And, 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 and when we come together, what we got to understand is when we come together, we get to share in blessings, but we also get to share in burdens. And when we face adversity, everybody connected to us is impacted by that adversity. Amen. So wouldn't you want to go through hard times with other people of God? Amen. Wouldn't you want to go through rough times with other people that know how to pray, that know how to call on God? 
to know how to give you a holy nudge in the right direction. There's an old proverb that says this, a burden carried by two is less than half as heavy. I like that. A burden carried by two is less than half is heavy. When, when we are together, we get to share not only in the blessings, but we get to share in the burdens. Ecclesiastes says it this way, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person keep warm alone? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. They say he, he can jump them. If you got two friends, you can jump somebody if they're trying to jump on you. <laughs> A cord of three strands is not easily broken. What are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this. We need the saints gathered together because God equips us and he empowers us and he is with us when we are together. I know some of people and I know I hear your thoughts. I know you're saying, well, God is with me when I'm all by myself. Yes, that is true. He is with you in many ways when you are by yourself. But God is with us in many other ways when we are together. They will tell you. Police officers will tell you that when you got to deal with one joker, it's different than when you got to deal with five crazy ones. They'll tell you that because what they'll say is this. It's, it's not just five individual people that you are dealing with, but you're dealing with five individual people plus the overall dynamic of the group as well. If it's like that when police got to disperse angry mobs, how much so, how much more when the saints of God gather together on one accord for God's purposes, for God's kingdom? Amen. And so we need saints together. We need to be together. My old childhood pastor, Pastor Elijah Marshall, I love him. He used to say this growing up. If you ain't got nothing but two teeth in your head, they better together. <laughs> and I said, you know what? <laughs> you got a point there. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> if you ain't got nothing but two teeth, they look better <laughs> together. Some of y'all are looking at your phone right now like, <laughs> he ain't lying, you know. So Paul and Silas, they, they, they are together, and they are thrown in the inner prison. They are thrown. This is, this is not a good situation. But what I love is this, being connected together with other saints, it shapes our souls, and it empowers us to have a different outlook on life. When we gather together in adversity, we are given the power to have a renewed perspective. Notice this, Paul and Silas, they are in the inner prison, but their eyes are focused up. Their perspective is focused up. Look at that, their perspective. They are in jail, and, and, and it says it. It says this, that they are... Praying and singing. 
See, when we have a different perspective, when we have a different perspective, it, it can change how we look. And if we change how we see, we can change how we live. In the thick darkness of a new day, they have a different perspective. Let me tell you what I mean. Let me tell you what I mean. Most of us, we think that the new day starts when the sun comes up, but that's not how the Bible defines a new day. When you look at Genesis, when God begins to create everything and he begins to set different days, the scripture says this, and the evening and the morning was the first day. I like it because what this says is this, the day is not defined by the darkness that we see, amen, and we need saints together in our lives that will enter into dark seasons with us and adverse seasons with us to encourage us and empower us to change our perspective, to look up and see that God cannot be hindered by the darkness that we face. Amen. The darkness of a new day. Some of us, we're tripping right now because it's dark. But guess what? Just because it's dark, it don't mean that God still ain't moving. Just because you can't see, it doesn't mean that God is not there. In John's gospel, it says this early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb. Amen. And what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this, that darkness cannot destroy the brightness of a new day. And how do I know this? I know this because Paul and Silas, they are in jail and they teach us that with a different perspective, chains can become tambourines. That with a different perspective, we can still worship even when we're at war. They teach us with a, with a different perspective, a, a, a Roman jail, a Philippian jail can turn into a powerful worship center. It's all about the perspective. See, when saints come together, we can fight against this perspective that says this, you know, I'll believe it. I'll believe it when I see it. How many of y'all said that? Some of y'all said that two days ago. You say, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But as saints, that is not our outlook. Why? Because we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Our belief cannot be driven by what we see. Our belief must be driven by what God says. Our belief must be driven by who God is. Amen. And so when saints come together, we can give each other holy nudges. I'm so encouraged because Paul and Silas, they have an upward perspective. They are in the inner prison and they are having a worship service and the other prisoners are listening to them. You see, dark moments, they don't have to give us a dark perspective of who God is. Amen. There's a famous missiologist, his name is Leslie Newbegin, and toward the end of his life, he gave an interview, and the interviewer asked uh, Dr. Newbegin, they asked him, are you a pessimist or an optimist? 
And Dr. Newbegin said this, I am neither, I am neither a pessimist nor an optimist. He says, Jesus has risen from the dead. I like that. Because what Leslie Newbegin was saying is this, hey, Jesus has risen from the dead. That gives me hope beyond hope. But Jesus has risen from the dead. That also shows me that, that guess what? Life can be bad at times. But I don't have to choose between being an optimist or a pessimist. Why? Because Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living. What is the perspective of a saint? Life is worth the living. But you're in prison, Paul and Silas. But life is worth the living because he lives. And so they, they, had, a, they had a renewed perspective that allowed them to turn their gaze upward, even though everything around them was looking a little, a little crazy. And think about it, they, they, they had had doors closed before. They had doors shut before. When you read uh, the earlier parts of Acts 16, you will see they had doors shut before. They had do doors closed before. And this looks like it's going to end up in another closed door. But they, they kept on clinging to faith, clinging to hope. Because when saints gather together, not only do we get a renewed perspective, but when saints gather together, here's something we can do that's so powerful. When saints gather together, we can pray. Are y'all hearing me? We can pray. You know why, why I love prayer, and you know why prayer is so powerful? Because anybody can do it. You can be two years old and pray. You can be two and pray. You can be saved for two months and pray. You could be saved for two days and pray. You could be a saint for 20 years and guess what? Still pray. <laughs> Prayer evens the playing field. Now, now, some of us, we make excuses. We're like, well, I don't know what to say. Well, say that. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Pastor Nick being serious. I know. It, I know. I, some of y'all like, oh, I get so intimidated. I just don't know what I would say. Say that. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you right now, and I don't know what to say. But I'm talking to you. Because guess what you just did? Pray. Are you hearing me? And while they were, while they were chained, their prayers were released to heaven. See, you know what, what gets on my nerves, let me just, here's what, here's what gets on my nerves. I'm going to just tell you what gets on my nerves. What gets on my nerves is people like to use the church as pawns and use Christianity. Everybody do it, but they like to use Christianity and things of God. They use it as pawns and they, and they use it as little bargaining chips and, and, and they use it for their own agenda. And they ain't thinking about God nowhere. Like for how many years and years you heard them say, well, they took prayer out of schools. No, they didn't. They didn't take prayer out of schools. Because if you teach your child to pray at home, the joker going to pray at school. 
Oh, they took prayer out to school. No, what happened was we stopped praying as a family at home. Lord have mercy. Don't go there. I see some of y'all right now. See, why are we going to focus on legislation that restores prayer in school when we don't even pray for free at the house? Okay, I'm going to talk to this side. No, I'm going to talk to this side. No, I'm going to talk to this side. I'm not, I'm, hear me. I'm not trying to become an angry preacher. But this is what I will say. And y'all heard this from this pulpit before. We have got to stop being surprised when the world acts like the world. Don't expect the world to want us to pray. Hello, Daniel in the lion's den. Right? They taught us this in Sunday school. Law was passed. Daniel don't pray. What did Daniel do at the house? Pray. Are you with me? And so what I'm trying to say is this. When saints come together, we give each other encouragement and holy nudges, and we tell each other, hey, you can pray about that. You can ask God for that. You can tell God that. You can seek God about that. You can praise God. Amen. Pray. Shameless plug, this Wednesday night, this Wednesday night at 6.30 in our, in our fellowship hall, we have a prayer service where we get together, we worship the Lord, and we pray. We seek God. We pray. You ain't got to be perfect. You ain't got to know what to say, but just come and pray. Amen. And I would love to see that fellowship hall so full that we got to come back here because we have people that just are sold out to prayer. See, when we pray, God opens up his ears. When we pray, our heavenly father stands at attention. When, when we pray, we get God's attention. And here's, here's the powerful thing about prayer. The powerful thing about prayer is this. Jesus tells us that we need to do it. The word of God, it doesn't just tell us that we need to do it. The word of God tells us why we need to do it. And he tells us how we can do it. He says, this is why you need to do it. Because when you go to the throne of grace, you receive help in your time of need. That's why you do it, when you need help. So could it, could it be that we don't pray because we don't think we need God's help all the time. Uh-oh. Because sometimes I pray only when I'm in prison. But notice our text. Y'all thought I was leaving the text. Notice our text. We started reading in Acts chapter 16. And, and notice what it says. It says this, once we were on our way to prayer. They were praying before they went to prison. They were praying when times were good. And they continue to pray when times got bad. Do y'all see that? Sometimes we only hit our knees when life takes us there. But if that's the only time that we hit our knees when life takes us there, then guess what? Life might always knock you down. But what about praying when times are good? What about developing a holy practice of prayer where no matter the circumstance, we're going to continue to talk to our Father? Amen? Elisha Hoffman, a pastor in 
the 1800s in Pennsylvania, he, when he wasn't in his study or when he wasn't in his pulpit preaching, he would, he would visit his parishioners. And one night uh, he went to visit uh, his parishioner who was deeply sorrowful and in anguish. And, and according to Pastor uh, Hoffman, he said that he, he shared scriptures with the young lady and he shared encouraging words with the young lady and other powerful quotes to the young lady. And nothing that he said seemed to help this young lady. And then Pastor Hoffman finally said, the best thing you can do right now is take all your sorrow to Jesus and tell him. And the young lady said, yes, I can tell Jesus. And after some time of deep, intense prayer, the young woman got up from her knees and Pastor Hoffman said he could, he could literally see the spirit of heaviness leave her. And from that experience, Pastor Hoffman rushed home and wrote these words, I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. He went home and wrote all of the verses to the great hymn, I Must Tell Jesus. And that hymn has been encouraging people down through the ages since 18, since the 1800s, 1894, something like that. That, that hymn has been encouraging people. And here's what we can do when we pray. Because Jesus is alive, we can tell Jesus. Yeah. And what can we tell Jesus? Tell Jesus everything. Tell them about your fear. Tell them about your anxiety. Tell them about your excitement. Tell them about your ambition. Tell them about your plans. Tell them about your annoyances. Tell them about your bills. Tell them about your problems. Tell them about his promises. Tell them about his character. Tell God everything. I say this all the time, and, and, and I say this, and, and I'm going to put it on the T-shirt and sell it in the bookstore because it's true. It's very true. If we talk to God, I mean, if we talk to people about our issues more than we talk to God, we don't care about our issues as much as we say we do. I've been there, guys. I have told the same story to five different people, and then I hit the realization. I, I, hit, I hit the, come on, idiot button. I hit the idiot button and say, you ain't even prayed about this. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? You done told all your girlfriends the same thing. <laughs> Everybody heard the story. And would you believe that this is what happened when they said this? And I thought I was going to lose it. And I did lose it. And let me tell you when I lost. You know, y'all go in. We go in. And before you know it, you done went in eight different times. And ain't prayed one of them. Am I in the house today? If we talk about it to other people more than we talk about it to God, we don't really care about it as much as we say we do. Because why wouldn't we take something so deep, something so, I don't care how big it is or how small it is, take it to the Lord in prayer. And so... They prayed together. 
I love it because Pastor uh, Willie McLaurin, I heard him say this. He said, if prayer is not your main business, pretty soon you'll be out of business. And that thing convicted me, so I said, all right, I'm going to see. I'm going to head out. I did the little SpongeBob thing. I said, I'm going to head out because <laughs> that was convicting. If prayer is not our main business, pretty soon we'll be out of business. And so these guys, they, they were together in jail together, and they were depending on God, and they were praying. And listen, when we pray, not only... Does God open up his ears, but he begins to open up our hearts? Because look at what it says. It says this, Paul and Silas are praying, and the other prisoners were listening to them. That's real good. But not only that, look at what it says. It says this, Paul and Silas, they prayed, and they were singing hymns. They prayed, and they were praising God, this is so powerful because while their bodies were chained, their, their, their hearts were not chained. While their bodies were chained, I told you, a different perspective will teach you how to use your chains as a tambourine and begin to praise God for who he is even in the midst of the storm. See, praise does not require perfect circumstances. No. No, 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 no. The only thing that praise requires is this, a choice. And what is that choice? God. If you choose God, you will choose praise. Amen. See, this is where, this, this, y'all pray for Pastor Nick and y'all pray for your, your, your church leaders. See, this is why I believe that, that the church should be one of the most energetic and powerful places on the planet, I, I don't like quiet churches. And what I mean, I know it's time. I know it's time. You know, sometimes you got to meditate and, you know, hold it in and all that. But that, not, that should not be an, a majority of the service occurrence. Amen. Are you hearing me? Y'all with me? Okay. And, and this, this, hear me. Praise does not require you to have the right personality to do it. Amen. Well, Pastor Nick, that, that just ain't my personality. I say this and I say this in love. So what? I'm serious. I, so what? That's not your personality. Amen. See, sometimes, you know, we, we, we want to make church comfortable for, for people, you know, who ain't who ain't been in church too long. And, and sometimes, you know, we've lost the art of exhorting people and encouraging people to praise the Lord. And, 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 and here's what, here's a fear of mine. And a fear of mine is this. We have made church so comfortable for people that church has become uncomfortable for God. Now, let me explain to you what I mean. I can tell by the smattering of the claps throughout the worship center that not everybody is with me. Let me explain to you what I mean. If we make church 
so comfortable for everybody where we don't want to move people out of their comfort space, but we fail to ignore the clear teaching of the scripture that says this, let everything that have breath praise the Lord, we make church uncomfortable for God. Now, let me ask you this. Whose comfort should I be most concerned with? I'm so glad y'all answered that question so right. Y'all said God, right? We need to make God comfortable in church, not just our guests. Amen. And so I don't care if the guests might think we strange because we stand when we sing or our hands are raised when we sing or we scream when we sing or we loud when we sing. That is not my concern. I want you to feel welcome, but I want God to feel more welcome. I, I want you comfortable, but I want God more comfortable. Why? Because the scripture says this, God lives in the praises of his people. So I want to build God a house in his house. Amen? And how do you build God a house in his house? I'm so glad you asked. You praise him. Amen. You open up your mouth and you praise him. You lift up your hands and you praise him. Well, Pastor Nick, I, that just ain't my personality. Could it be that you're too comfortable? And could it be that that's why transformation won't happen in your life because you are so comfortable that you won't make God comfortable in your praise. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. But I do know that when it gets tight enough, you'll shift a little bit. You'll move a little bit. Amen. And if you don't believe me, all of the brothers that play 2K will admit to the fact that when the game gets tight enough, you don't lay on the bed or the couch. You sit up a little bit. You focus. Yeah. Do I have some brothers that, that gain? Y'all know. Amen. Amen. Brother be sitting down. You know, you sitting on it. You, you, you lay off to the side when you win it by 15. But when you start losing by three, you sit up in the chair and you're like, okay. As if the focus is going to help you, you know. All the men said amen. Amen. I know y'all got the PS5 in the house. Y'all jokers, sit up. You get uncomfortable because you want the victory. Oh, Lord. Let me come over here. You get uncomfortable because you want the victory, but we won't get uncomfortable for the presence of God because guess what? If God is in our midst, we always have the victory. I got to go. I got to go. So they were praising God. They were singing and praising God. Right in a prison, they turned it into a powerful worship center. You know, when you gather together with other saints, life is like that. When you gather with other saints, you can see that, you know what? I know it's not as good as it could be, but it's also not as bad as it should be. That while I'm in a prison, I still have my life. And if I have breath in my body, God deserves all of my praise. 
See, praise doesn't require perfect circumstances. All praise requires is a choice. I'm wrapping up. Let me close my Bible so you know I'm telling the truth. All praise requires is a choice. Choose to praise God. And sometimes when saints get together, we have to remind each other of the proper choice to make. Amen. Choose to praise God. I hear your complaint, and I'm with you. Times are tough right now, but choose to praise God. God is good. Choose to praise God. And, and I love it because, you know, we like to say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. But there's an old pastor in D.C. He says it like this. He says, God is good most of the time, and other times he's better. When I heard that, I said, I'm still in that right there because that's good. God is good most of the time. At other times, he's better. How is God better than good? Because when life is at its lowest and when I am at my worst, God is always at his best. Amen. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is look at the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ when humanity was at its worst and when creation was at its lowest. God in Jesus Christ was at his best reconciling the world to himself. God was at his best. And what I love about Jesus on the cross is this. Jesus chose praise on the cross. What do you mean by that, Pastor Nick? Jesus chose praise on the cross. Well, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was quoting a song. He was quoting Psalm 22. And we read the Psalms, but, but back then, guess what they did? They sang the Psalms. And what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this. If Jesus, when he was on the cross, beaten beyond human recognition, if he chose praise then guess what? I can choose praise as I carry my cross. I can choose praise as I gather with the saints of God and I unite in adversity and we face tough time together and we face blessings together and we face the burdens together. I can choose praise. If Jesus can choose praise on the cross and the cross has set me free, then surely I should be the most craziest praiser on the planet. I know some people may think, well, it, it, it don't have to take all that. And you're right. It don't take all of that. It takes much more. Because if you knew that you couldn't save yourself and somebody stepped in at the right moment when you were at the end of yourself and transformed your life, how would you respond? I don't think you would look at that person and say, you know what, I want to say thank you, but it's just not in my personality. I want to shake your hand, but, you know, I'm, I'm too cool for that. No, you would say thank you for saving me. That's why we sang that song. I'm done. I don't, I don't know. I'm done. I'm serious. That was my little Sunday school lesson. I'm done. I'm done. But what I, what I want to do is encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you this morning because 
uh, we at BT Church, we believe that the saints should be together. And one of the practical ways and one of the beautiful ways that we practice saints being together is in community groups. And so if you want more information about our community groups after service, visit the info center or you can visit us online for more information on how to join one or how to start one yourself. Here's, here's what's the beautiful thing about community groups. When, when we are in community with one another, when saints are together with one another, we share the blessing and we share the burden. We invite people into our dark times and we celebrate when the new day dawns. We do it together. And we have some powerful testimonies of, of how community group has, has been transformative for people. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to go and get more information about our community groups. Here's another, here's another next step for everybody this week is to choose praise this week. There are going to be thousands, maybe even millions of things that will crowd out your praise this week. And what I'm saying is this, choose the opposite, choose to praise. Choose God, choose gratitude. And then lastly, if you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that today that can change. Today you can place your faith in Jesus. And here's the thing about faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ transforms us. And the minute that we place our faith in Jesus, guess what? He takes us from being sinners to being saints. Do you know that? You don't have to die and wait for people to vote on you to become a saint. Jesus died for you. And he gave you the power to be born again. And that's what makes you a saint. And guess what? We need the saints. And I'm not just talking about the, the card that you might have in your Bible. When I talk about saints, I'm not just talking about the picture of the person on the candle in your room. I'm not talking about the person you have dangling over your rearview mirror. When I talk about you need the saints, I'm talking about you need the people in the here and now who have called on the name of Jesus and have received salvation from him. And if you would like to trust Jesus and receive salvation from him, I'm, I'm going to ask everybody to bow your head and close your eyes and repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today confessing that I need you I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm lost. I need to be found. See, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I believe that God, you raised him again from the dead on the third day. And today, by faith, I trust Jesus with my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. My life is yours forever. In Jesus' name.